one of life's most glorious principles is that we can always rise above our present level. Each day offers a fresh beginning. Life courses can be rerouted, and if we see a need for change in our lives, we can do something about it. Today, we will discuss the life and teachings of a woman named Leona Jacobs, who served a mission in Syria and Palestine in the 1930s and later served as a Relief Society general board member. She taught by word and by action that through slow but continual improvement, we can prepare our hearts to live and share the gospel with others. Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the inspiring stories and teachings of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Carly Guyman, and I'm here with Shailen Back, we're your co-hosts. Thanks for joining us today. As a reminder, in this season, in the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we're learning from the lives and teachings of women featured in the book At the Pulpit, which is a church publication available online and in the Gospel Library app. To discuss Leona Jacobs' life and her talk, Prepare Thy Heart, we are very excited to have on the show today one of the editors of At the Pulpit, Kate Holbrook. Hello, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me today. So to get to know Kate a little bit better, she is a leading voice in the study of Latter-day Saint women. She's the managing historian of women's history at the church history department where she writes, studies, and interprets history full-time. She received a master's degree from Harvard Divinity School and a PhD from Boston University where she studied religion and society. Kate is a popular public speaker, and she has authored and edited several books, including At the Pulpit, the topic of this season of the podcast, and a history of the first 50 years of the Relief Society. Her major research interests are the practice of everyday religion and how religious beliefs and affiliation impact the ways people eat, speak, and behave, and also Latter-day Saint women's interpretations of their faith. Kate is currently writing a book about Latter-day Saint foodways, and she and her husband, Samuel Brown, are raising three daughters in Salt Lake City. So, Kate, we know you're involved in some very interesting projects in church history. Uh, Would you mind sharing some of your current projects? I'm very excited about the food book. It's a history of Latter-day Saint food habits in the 20th century. And one of the reasons I think it matters so much is not just because it's really fun uh, to read and hear about, but because it shows how women are theologians every day balancing their religious priorities. And one way to see how they're doing that is to see how they're feeding their families, their communities, their neighbors, how they get obtain their food and then what they choose to make. And one of the main arguments of the book is that it, it's not actually the word of wisdom that shapes the way we eat. I think it's community and compassion for others. And then uh, one other exciting thing we're, we're doing at work is we're writing a narrative history of the Young Women Organization. And our other histories have focused on documents. And so this history is more of a story telling what happened, how the organization developed, how they kept trying to align themselves with the rest of the church and with priesthood, and the church kept trying to figure out how to do that too. And they finally felt like they achieved that once they started focusing on the temple for young women, which wasn't really until the 1980s that, that there was a real um, clear focus on that. Yeah. So, so Kate and Shaylin, let's dive into our discussion today about Leona Jacobs' life and her teachings um, that were given in her talk, Prepare Thy Heart. So, Kate, I think most of us have maybe never heard of Leona Jacobs before. So can you introduce us to who she is and when she lived and and what was her life like? 
Yeah, that was one of the things I loved about finding her is I had never heard of her. And, and here she was this, on the one hand, everyday woman who kept her covenants, tried to do good in the world, raised two children. And on the other hand, did some really brave things and had general level leadership positions in the church. We looked wherever we could to find the talks to include in this book. And one really rich source for us were reports of the Relief Society conferences that were held, depending on when you looked, sometimes twice a year, sometimes once a year. And then they were published in the Relief Society magazine, another really important resource to us for understanding women's experience in the church. So her talk was given at one of these Relief Society conventions, they called them at the time, and then published in the Relief Society magazine. And I loved it. It's not a complicated talk. It's well done. Uh, But it speaks to some things that felt so true to me about living the gospel, everyday living the gospel. That's what first drew me to the talk. And then I learned a little bit about her history and how she had been married to the mission president of the Palestine mission right before that mission was closed because of World War II. And I thought, oh, (laughs) we need to find out more about this. I had no idea there was a Palestine mission. Before there was even a state of Israel, there was this mission. So you mentioned her mission. Uh, That's a very unique experience. So how did that influence her service? Well, she really was a, a pioneer in this mission in the sense that there were only a few missionaries in the mission, not a lot of members, and it was in the Middle East, and she was only in her mid-30s when she went, and she had two children who were still really young, grade school age. And so when she went, she was figuring out what it meant for her, which is what a lot of women do when they go to the mission field in this capacity, but what it meant for her in this area to support the building of the kingdom and to continue to parent her young children. And so she taught organ lessons so that they could have people who could help accompany in the meetings and played the organ. She arranged a lot of socials because really our social life is what helps create unity among church members. It's something that's really beautiful about what we have to offer people. And so she planned parties. It's an important part of the work she did. Um, And then she would help teach here and there, and she got involved in her children's schools and school programs and volunteered there, too. So really dove into that experience, and like you said, had to create something when there wasn't a lot of structure or instruction as to what she should be doing there. Yeah, nothing. She just prayed and And found direction. And found direction. And she was learning Turkish, too, right? So I imagine her trying to raise her children in this new environment, but also build up the church and the community and increase her own education to better equip her for this new life. I just imagine that was so overwhelming. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Shaylin, because I think her trying to learn Turkish, just as other older couples who are serving as missionaries, and she was only in her mid-30s, but older people, the older you get, the harder it is to learn a language. So why do we try? For some of these people, they're never going to be good at speaking these languages. So why do it? And I think it's, again, it's a real signal of, I want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. I want to meet you on your terms. I love you. I want to try to understand you. So even though I'm not probably going to become really proficient in Turkish, I'm going to try. I'm going to take it very seriously, and I'm going to try. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Leona and her husband returned from their mission as World War II was beginning in Europe. Is that right? Yes. And there were some other things she was involved with, maybe talk about what she did, kind of war efforts. And then also after that, she served as a board member on the Relief Society General Board. Tell us about what she did in that capacity. So she was in the Stake Relief Society presidency during World War II, and she was the member of the presidency that had a car. And of course, they all would pool their gas stamps so that they could get together in her car and drive around and try to find supplies that they could use to make things like bandages for soldiers. So it was all focused on relief relief and, and helping soldiers and, and anyone else who needed help. So Kate, as the editor of this collection, the editor of At the Pulpit, you helped make the decision to include this talk in the book. And We'd love to hear more about how you found this talk. We have exciting detective moments as historians, <laughs> and this was one of them. I read her obituary when I was early on in the research, and at the end it said she survived by her two children, and the daughter's name was Geraldine. It said she lived in Utah, so I looked her up on my computer, and there was a Geraldine living in Murray, and I called her, and she answered the phone, and I said, is this Leona Jacobs' daughter? And she said, yes. Wow. And I said, could I find out a little bit more about your mom from you? And she said, yes, why don't you come over? I have these articles she's written, and I have her journals that she kept while she was in Palestine. <laughs> there were these little tiny notebooks. And so she let me borrow them, and we scanned them. So if you want to see them, you can come into the church history library and, and look at the scans, and then I return them to her daughter. But it felt so amazing to read these little tiny notebooks in her handwriting, and she had a poetic soul. She described the sunset over the beach or some, some flowers that were growing, and and it was also an inspiration to me in my own journal keeping that I don't have to be writing polished, beautiful essays when I write in my journal. I just need to write a few details about what was going on because for somebody coming along later, those little details, it helped us know what she did. So we want to transition now to discuss some of the major themes and messages from Leona's talk. And we recognize some of our listeners haven't read the talk. Some have, some will, some might not. So we want to pull out some of the nuggets for them that they can walk away from listening today, feeling uplifted and feeling like they they want to improve. They want to change something in their lives. And that's actually the message of Leona's talk. And one of the themes is that we can always change wherever we are in our lives right now, we can always change. We can always pivot. Anything you can share on that thought that she shared? Just that there's there's so much hope in that, right? There's so much hope. Whoever you are, whatever decisions you've made, you can improve. And last, I, I did want to share, just last week, somebody sent me, they'd been reading an oral history interview with a woman abroad, and they sent me this quotation. Before meeting the church, I didn't realize that there could be better things in life. I was always told that nobody else would take me because I had no education. I must stay where I was. So I was held a prisoner, but I didn't even know it. It was only when I met missionaries that I realized my life could be changed. That is the essence of the gospel. That's what repentance is. We can change. We can improve. You know, we can improve in a good in a happy way I don't mean it as a burden as but a in negative a, yeah in a in a happy joyful way that's such an incredible experience uh, it goes right along with what Leona was saying how she gives examples of people that just stop at different phases in their lives and they think 
I don't want to be doing this or I'm doing something that I want to change. And so they did. Not all the time is it immediate, but sometimes it does just take that desire in your heart to say, I want to be doing something different or I want to be something different. And that's such an amazing idea and such an inspiring idea for any of us, no matter who we are, where we are, what phase of life we're in and what opportunities we have. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I like that you reminded us that it's not just that we can change the bad things that we're doing and make them better, but that we have the power within us to really change the direction our lives are going. You know, whether we want to learn something or develop a skill or an ability, you know, we can, we can do that. And that's our capacity as humans. Yeah. I have a friend who's on on my mind. She's just made the decision to start coming back to church. And she said last week a bird came into her house and kept trying to fly out her windows, which of course were closed. And it finally made its way out the door. But she thought as she was watching it, that's what I've been doing the last few years. I've been thinking that I understood what I was seeing, but I wasn't understanding it and I couldn't escape. And when I went back to church, I felt this clarity, you know, it was her finding the door. It was her seeing clarity. And I think sometimes change can be a little bit overwhelming and it's wondering, okay, how do we actually make that change? So Leona teaches about the need to prepare your heart. So Kate, what does what does that mean? Some of the lines that stand out to me is she said, uh, humbling oneself before the Lord. It means ridding oneself of bitterness and selfishness, which is a big think about all, all of the opportunities for bitterness there are in the world. Mm-hmm. But my favorite line is when she says, opening wide one's heart to righteousness. I thought of this with talking with my friend who's just going back to church too. It seems like a lot of this is letting ourselves relax, letting go of comparisons, letting go of grievances, letting go of bitterness. Just let yourself lie down into the soft bed of righteousness, of a heart wide open for righteousness. It's not something to put on your to-do list and to use willpower to do. It's also something to just relax into, you know, Mm -hmm. put your hand in Jesus's hand and let him, let him take you to beautiful, peaceful places. As I read the talk, that's what I was thinking of is I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed with I need to make everything right in my life and I need to change all these things that are really hard for me and I I have to become perfect. And it's so overwhelming. But I like in this talk, she talks more about the condition of our hearts becoming, I guess you could say, perfect in that that's not a whole lot of doing. It's just the condition of our hearts. And it's like you described, kind of opening that up and allowing ourselves to be open to that kind of change. And that's something that seems to me more achievable than perfect actions. It's more, what's what's my heart like today? Is it soft and open towards other men and towards God? And if it's not, just pray. (laughs) This is the miracle of what the Holy Ghost can do can change your heart. Well, and just going along with not being overwhelmed by having so many things to do, I think we can also focus on things that we can stop doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she gives the example. She said in a recent convention, a bishop shares this thought, and this thought has been running through my head several times a day just since I read the talk. And it's, if we are too busy to serve the Lord, we are too busy. And so it's not just adding more things to our to-do list that we need to change or to do to 
to become better. It's choosing what we can stop doing so that we can focus on these better things, you know, relaxing and preparing our heart. But I just, whenever I pray, that's kind of become an answer to my prayers. If you're too busy for the Lord, you're too busy. And it just kind of has been solving some of the problems and and anxieties that I've had in my life recently. And so it just pops up in my head when I'm writing things on the calendar and when I'm preparing for my day. And that to me has been such an empowering thought lately. And I really appreciate that she shared that. It reminds me of a talk Sharon Eubank gave when she said, I just pray, help me do the thing that most needs to get done today and help me be alert to that. And she said, once it was take a nap was the answer to that prayer. And other times it's been spend a little time with these. I think it was nieces and nephews. So she's running the church's humanitarian system. And sometimes it will be directed that way too. But really, if we can just think there are a couple of things God needs me to do today and try to keep our hearts open to recognize those when the little promptings come, other things fall into place. And then we don't even have to make those decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if our hearts are open and we're receiving yes. revelation, it's just that becomes a very natural part of our everyday life. And we're not having to so consciously prioritize things that seem like they're all important. You yeah. know, we can have divine help. And I think God works miracles with time. If God is a part of it, time can multiply. Yeah. Like the loaves and the fishes. If you're doing those few things that you know need to be a part of your life, other things, they stop mattering or they get done really quickly. And that's a profound message for women and and men who are juggling so many things. Yeah. You know, and it's, I want this area of my life to be successful, but I only have this much time, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know I need to leave other time for God. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing that he can do that for us. Yeah. So the latter portion of Leona's talk turns outward. You know, she's talking about how we can prepare our own hearts. And then she says, it's also our responsibility to help prepare others' hearts. And I, she says, living the gospel means sharing it with others. And she talks about ways that we can help prepare others' hearts and how we can put our arms around others. I'd love to hear your thoughts or, or things that stood out to you in that part of Leona's message. Yeah. So she's talking about visiting teaching, which is now our ministering program. She says one thing it can do is bring people into greater activity in the gospel. But I think even if we look like we're in great activity in the gospel, it still can help us really receive the fruits of peace that are to be had in the gospel. And she says the way to do this is through sheer love and personal interest, making them feel wanted and that they belong and are needed in our organization. That's what we all need. And that's one of the great plagues, I think, worldwide of our time is feeling isolated, is feeling alone, feeling not needed, not wanted. And this, our active participation in ministering and in church and in Relief Society, just loving each other showing interest in each other, helping people feel that they belong and that they're needed. If we could if we could multiply that, like we're all trying throughout the world, think think how social media would change. Think <laughs> think how much more joy and peace there would be everywhere. Mm-hmm. I grew up with my mom and my grandma and I was the only child and my grandma was really good at making me feel needed. 
if there were minor plumbing problems, I liked to be the one to fix them. I was good at setting the clocks in the cars once cars got clocks and, and in the house when they changed for daylight savings time. And instead of making that seem like a burden, they made me feel like this is an area in which I'm really competent and they celebrated it. And I think that built in me a lifelong sense of there are some things I have to contribute. And then church was a natural space where I could just, you know, some things, some things that the church needs I'm no good at, but some things that the church <laughs> needs I'm good at. <laughs> and the more I would contribute, the, the better it felt. So there was a talk given recently by Elder Suarez about uh, rivers coming together to form the Amazon River. And he just compares this to people as these rivers that come from different backgrounds. We have different climates, different temperatures, different compositions. And when they come together, the strength of that river is so powerful that for miles when it hits the ocean, it's still fresh water. And so he just says the impact that we can have when we really come together and bring our differences and bring our contributions because if we all were good at the same thing then that wouldn't get us very far you know we do have to have these differences and that can be what makes us powerful yeah so I just appreciate her message that as we reach out to people and get to know them and see the things that they have skills in and and talents in and contributions in and bring and we bring them together it only makes our Relief Society more powerful, our communities more powerful, and they really are wanted and needed. Yeah. Definitely. Making somebody feel needed is not a lie. They really no. are. We had in our Relief Society lesson last Sunday, a, a woman had to teach on a lesson about having all of your family be active members of the church. And and she has a lot of kids and a lot of them don't participate. And so when she first started to teach, and I'm the Relief Society president, and I realized what the talk was about, I thought, oh, what did we do to her making her talk about this? But then the lesson was amazing because she had this experience through which she could talk in a real way. Nobody has some there is no perfect family that looks, I don't even know what the perfect would look like. And she said, my family is perfect. And my table is made up of all of these wonderful children who are on their own journeys in different ways. And it blew us all away much more than a lesson from somebody that hadn't had that painful life experience. Thank you for sharing that. We've talked about so many different things today, and we'd love to kind of tie it all together, sum it up. If there if there are any takeaways, things that we could do or change, and we've talked about a lot of different things, but if there's anything else that you thought of, takeaways or ideas we could start doing today based on this message. Something that she says that has really struck me. She said, I fully believe that as far as living the gospel is concerned, we can do what we want to do if we want to enough. Yeah. So much hope in this talk for me. You can improve. You can have peace and joy. You can matter. You can help other people feel they matter. Thank you so much, Kate, for being here with us and for sharing your insight. And thanks to each of our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please take a moment to leave us a rating or a view that helps other people find the show and share it with your friends and family. We would love to hear your comments and ideas for what you'd like to hear on this podcast. And you can send your feedback to podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. 
As a reminder, At the Pulpit is available in its entirety on the Gospel Library app and online at churchhistorianspress.org, and it's actually in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. And we invite you, our listeners, to use At the Pulpit as you study, speak, teach, and lead in the gospel. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. 